Welcome back to Rhymes with Decora, companion podcast project of Inspired Media. I'm your host, Benji Nichols. Thanks for joining us. You can find out everything about the podcast at decora.fun. This is a project we're doing to uh, cover a little more than we can usually cover in our quarterly publication online, having interesting conversations from around the region with people who are doing incredible work, incredible projects. One of those people I have with me today is Hannah Breckbill from Humble Hands Harvest. Thanks for being here, Hannah. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Hannah, you know, you and I have talked back and forth a couple times. I know it is a busy time of year on the farm. What is, what's happening on the farm right now? Yeah, well, we just got our pigs last week. Oh. And so our, our 15 pastured pigs is, is what we do every year. And they're here and they've figured out how to dig in the dirt. So <laughs> as they will. Yeah. Got it going on. That is awesome. We're going to cover a whole bunch of things about humble hands in a little bit. And of course, one of the things uh, that you guys have is pastured pigs and uh, organic lambs, right? Um, yeah. Um, grass fed lambs. Grass fed yep. lambs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's an amazing thing. Those are all fun creatures to watch. They are great. Take <laughs> shape, right? Let's rewind a little bit. Tell us about your background. Where, uh, how did you find your way to um, Northeast Iowa? And what was your background learning about farming? Yeah, so I my background is academics. I was I went to liberal arts college. My parents are academics, and I found myself really wanting to do something real and tangible in the world, and I wasn't finding it in my math major. <laughs> <laughs> and so out of college, I got an internship on a farm, um, and then a a year into working on farms, I was like, yeah, I'm, I think I'm just going to keep doing this. And so I followed my girlfriend at the time who got a job at Seed Savers. So I came here to Decorah and I worked at Rock Spring Farm, which no longer exists. Yeah, totally. I worked there for a couple of years. So that was my entrance into Decorah and farming in the upper Midwest. That's amazing. Where did your farm journey start? Where else were you uh, around the country? Yeah. So I grew up in Nebraska. Um, And had dabbled in volunteering on farms in high school. Sure. Um, and then my first internship was in Texas, in wow. Waco, Texas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right on. So a few, few different parts of the country there. Uh, and I know one of the other things that I, uh, I know just about you, the Land Stewardship Project, mm. right? That was something you became involved in a bit? Yeah, I love the Land Stewardship Project. They're one of my favorite groups of people. They're basically farmer... Um, advocates um, working in mostly in Minnesota. Um, and I took a farm beginnings class through them, but I've also participated in their racial justice on the land yeah. kind of cohorts and that kind of thing. So yeah, really kind of diving intersectionally into what farming looks like. And absolutely, in you know, I grew up, um, I grew up in an agricultural family, but a little bit different. My family was in poultry uh, processing for three generations. And so I grew up running around chicken houses and different types of farms. Um, but it's interesting growing up in Northeast Iowa. Uh, at times, a lot of us have talked about that diversity um, is something that doesn't always come to the top of mind mm-hmm. when you think of Northeast Iowa. Although I will also say we've had this conversation that sometimes it actually just means you need to look a little further to totally. find diversity because it certainly does exist. Um, but in farming specifically, and up in the upper Midwest uh, especially, Especially, of course, diversity in farming is something that is not not uh, <laughs> it doesn't exist very much. We have our pockets here in Iowa, right here in Northeast Iowa, Southeast Iowa, and there's more and more, correct? But uh, I think it's really interesting how uh, we are seeing more and more diversity in farming. And of course, what's interesting is not just that, but that the people who are in 
farming and working on small food farming are actively working on creating more diversity totally. and more opportunity and some of those things, right? Yeah. One thing that I say a lot is that like in order for us to have a resilient um, food system and, and farming system, we need not only a diversity of crops, yeah. um, but also a diversity of people absolutely. doing the work and, and owning the work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you found your way to Northeast Iowa. Uh, you had your hands in the dirt already to speak of. Uh, and then the idea to kind of um, start off on your own farming came along. When when uh, when about was that? Yeah, so that was in, I was working at Rock Spring Farm in 2012. And then that year, um, this opportunity came up for a farmer to rent land um, mm-hmm. on a farm in um, in southeast Minnesota, that was a grass-fed beef farm. Okay. Um, and so they had they had plenty of land, and they were like, "We're gonna section off a two-acre paddock, and we want to we want to incubate a farmer." Um, so that was my first opportunity to do that, and it was really great because they um, marketed my vegetables for me the first year. They took my vegetables on their trucks that were delivering meat to the Twin Cities, and nice. they and took my vegetables up to those same restaurants. So that was a really great way to enter farming, kind of being incubated in that way. Absolutely. Um, what year? Roughly? That was in that was in 2013, my okay. first year. Yeah. Um, and that's awesome. when I named the farm Humble Hands Harvest. Nice. And, um, then, um, after a couple of years of doing that, I really realized that my my people, my place was Decora, and yeah. I wanted to come back here. And so I found an opportunity to rent. Um, land from the Slevas at yes. Meadow Farm. And so that's where I got to be for another two years. Absolutely. Um, and a very neat corner of the world. Yeah. Really <laughs> wonderful place and wonderful people. The um, Yeah, after that, um, in so in 2016, which was my first fourth year of farming, yeah. I early in the year i was going through my saturn return that year it was a hard year and (laughs) (laughs) and i um i told myself early in that year like i maybe shouldn't farm next year unless i have permanent land to farm on and someone to farm with me to be equally invested in in the farming operation absolutely so luckily over the course of that year i figured out how to make both of those things happen um that's amazing yeah I'm right? really grateful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and did that kind of lead to the what's the current reiteration of Humble Hands Harvest, right? Yeah. So that year, um, my co-farmer, Emily Fagan, yes. had moved to town to work for Eric Sessions, another vegetable farmer. Yeah, pot, patchwork green, right? Yep. 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 And so... Um, strangely enough, she happens to be my second cousin. Her mom is my mom's cousin. Um, this is a very Northeast <laughs> Iowa story. Yeah, no, neither kidding. of us are from Northeast right? Iowa, but yeah, right? whatever. Um, <laughs> just, I love it. Yeah, serendipity. But yes. anyway, we kind of knew who each other were, um, and and she, um, yeah, she was wanting to be a farmer too, and and I was wanting a co-farmer, and yeah. so yeah. Um, I asked her, kind of in the early or the middle of that summer and I said hey do you want to think about farming with me next year and wow she thought about it for a bit and said yes and so that was uh that's a fun way to begin a friendship um, absolutely right dive <laughs> to, in <laughs> to really dive in but for sure um yeah and so simultaneously the land access issue was was a thing and yeah um, so I was, I was looking for permanent land is the word I was using to, mm-hmm. to be on so that I could 
be planting trees and really investing in the soil and yeah. in infrastructure, um, which isn't really possible to do on rented land. Yep. Um, and so what that meant was luckily there was this group of people on Hidden Falls Road who had bought um, kind of bought up this 22-acre piece of land that had been going to auction, uh-huh. um, but they didn't want it to go to auction because they didn't know what was going to happen to it if, yeah. it if it did that. And they didn't know if it was going to, you know, bring sure. hog manure into the neighborhood, which, right. you know, we or, didn't want. Yeah. Um, and so, um, yeah, that group of people, um, I was able to kind of convince or, or at least... Uh, express an idea of like, this could be a diversified farm. It doesn't have to just sit here in like CRP planting. It could, it could actually like really generate some food and some vitality in this, on this road. And, um, and so, yeah, basically I was able to, to figure out how to buy, buy the land share by share. So buy individuals out of this LLC that had, bought the land. So a very unique arrangement, but a group of neighbors who obviously wanted uh, country neighbors who mm-hmm. obviously realized they wanted to, to make sure that the land around them stayed in, in a sustainable way. Yep. Right. That's exactly. an, and that is an amazing opportunity. I know something that I've talked about with several people, um, is that land access issue in Iowa. And of course it gets talked about on a very large scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was looking at my Iowa, my USDA numbers earlier, and there, there are those, those, uh, crazy numbers that get thrown around, you know, uh, Iowa's roughly 30 and a half million acres of tillable land or something like that. Right. 36 million acres total in Iowa. And about half of those are woman or women owned at mm. this point. But that mm-hmm. story is, Almost all of them are over 65 mm-hmm. and a little less than a quarter of them might be over 80. Yep. <laughs> so it is totally. handed down agricultural large scale parcels that are getting handed down and now getting bought up at astronomical rates by investors and different people and whatever. Yep. And what we're talking about is people who actually want to grow food mm-hmm. <laughs> on smaller acres and mm-hmm. finding that accessibility, right? Like, yep. And how that happens. That's a fascinating thing. And there are programs, right? I mean, Practical Farmers is working on that. There's some other groups that you've been involved with and again land stewardships mm-hmm. and things like that right yeah but um it's pretty amazing so you found your parcel mm-hmm. humble hands harvest was born emily comes into the picture mm-hmm. uh and boom you're you're off and running yeah so that's in 2017 <laughs> wow and uh we yeah we bought this bare piece of land um it had just been in conventional corn for years and years and and yeah. then that LLC had put it into hay. So we were, we had this hay field. Wow. And in, yeah, that, uh, the fall before we tilled up the vegetable field area and cover cropped it. Um, and then that spring we put up a greenhouse mm-hmm. and a deer fence. We had a well dug. Um, we brought in electricity and we put up a yurt for me to live in. Wow. So year round, uh, I Roughly. never lived in the yurt in January or February, <laughs> okay. but all other 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 months I lived in there. Yeah, yeah. that that is an exciting <laughs> that is an exciting lifestyle, right? Yeah, for sure. Well, and along the way, as you were getting going, I mean, the the model that you work under is essentially a, a worker owned cooperative, right? Yeah. So the first year that Emily and I worked together, we weren't sure where it was going really. So we we just made a really kind of simple agreement year by year, like we 
made a farm bank account and we each put a thousand dollars into it and we started our season and we knew that we could just split it up when we mm-hmm. left and and actually the land was in my name and so um we basically had the farm business that we were sharing rent the land from me you know that yeah. kind of simple arrangement yeah. but um uh but after our first year working together um there was uh just this feeling of like, okay, Emily was in for the long haul also and mm-hmm. uh, needed to be recognized as as such by yeah. our structure. Um, and so that's where we got the worker-owned co-op idea. And we wrote some, um, yeah, we wrote some, uh, an operating agreement that, sure. would, that would kind of enshrine that kind of one member, one vote idea and the concept that our work was what... Um, was what mattered to the co-op and not our like financial investment. Yeah, so yeah. even though I did have more like finance, finances invested in the farm sure. to start with, we keep track of that. Um, and so that it'll be fair whenever there's an end to our arrangement. Yeah. But, um, but for now we get paid equally, we work equally and that that's, the, yeah. that's the way it works. Yeah. That's super cool. And I know you guys are doing some other really creative projects that we're, we're definitely going to keep talking about here in a minute. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention is so here about it was two years ago, maybe you started working on more of a permanent structure for your farm and housing project as well, right? Or not housing project, but a, a commons project, right? Is that what the, 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 well, the language? Yeah. So there's, there's a bunch of things. So yes, we built a house in the past year yeah. i guess um but we which is also, also not a small project we should <laughs> while yeah. running a farm yeah it's a big it's a big deal um and it's really nice to have an actual house to live in rather yes. than a year um and and a house that we can offer um to our employees as well so right. um there are four of us living on the farm now which is like my dream come true that's amazing um, yeah but but the the commons thing is is really cool. So it is born out of our, our kind of worker owned cooperative structure. Mm-hmm. We, um, yeah, we realized that each of us had financial investment in the farm and, and had given a lot to it. And we also knew that our community had given a lot to it back when we were, um, building the well, digging the well and, and, um, deer fence and that kind of thing. We asked, we crowdfunded some money, yeah. um, to help that happen and so the community had already given us like twenty thousand dollars worth of yeah. um, worth of help, um, and that didn't feel like it belonged to me or to Emily to like take sure. away with us right. when we left or you know whenever something new happened. So we wanted that that um, investment that the community had had put in to the farm to to kind of stay with the farm or stay with that kind of mission. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we. We have a separate capital account in our farm. This is just internal accounting. It's sure. nothing, um, nothing super fancy. Yeah. But uh, that account um, kind of represents the, um, yeah, the investment of the community. And so we have we have used that to um, to ask the community for support other times. So sure. when we were building the house, basically um, we. We fundraised, um, yeah, asked for a lot of money and 
some people but, pulled through. Yeah. And here's what's amazing to me, though, and it's something I think is really special about our region. And I'll say region because we're in Northeast Iowa here currently, but I really, something that my wife Erin and I have talked a lot about within Inspired as well is that we, we live in a region. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's pretty unique to Northeast Iowa, Southeast Minnesota, Western Wisconsin, but like you really can't, it, it all works together. And none of those areas can really work as well as they do without the surrounding, right? That makes Mm -hmm. sense. Um, But it's really interesting to me because I think there is a much stronger support network in our region than people who even realized over the years. Mm -hmm. Uh, People want to see young farmers succeed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) People want to see creative, interesting things happen Mm -hmm. uh, because we want this place to be viable for a long, long time, right? And that can look like a lot of different things, but I think that is something that's um, special about our region and that is really cool uh, and that we love to continue seeing happen as well. Uh, Aaron and I could have never, we're we're going into year 15 with Inspired and we would have never made it without all the support we've gotten from our community. Uh, You know, and so those are things that that I think do say a lot about our region and about what people want to continue seeing here as well, right? Totally. And I I think also for me, um, I don't know. Some people are are a little suspicious when suddenly Hannah's getting all this stuff from people, you know, and I'm like, well, I asked for it, you know, and I'm I'm right. like I'm here and I'm showing that I'm I'm doing yeah. the things with the stuff right. that I'm getting. So well, and what yeah. you do, what you do at the at the end of the day, what is happening at Humble Hands Harvest is very tangible. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I that is something I want to get to. We're gonna take a quick break and come back, but like so at the end of the day, you grow food for our region. Mm-hmm. And that's an amazing thing. Not only you grow food, you grow amazing food. Uh, and the way that that happens is you have CSAs, mm-hmm. right? So you have a, a group of people who subscribe to a box throughout the summer mm-hmm. uh, who get those vegetables and, and items from your farm delivered, etc. And where else do your products go as well? Yeah. So our main outlet actually is the Decora Farmer's Market twice a week, Yeah, all through the growing season. And it's, uh, it's re- yeah, really great to just to just pile a table full of carrots and have right. them all leave by the end <laughs> the of the morning. Carrots are one of my favorites, actually. There you go. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. No, absolutely. And then also, you guys work a bit with the Iowa Food Hub too. Is that right? Yeah, we totally do. Um, so yeah, at the beginning a of Peter, a show with Peter just went up. So yeah, I'm excited about that one too. Yeah, yeah, at the beginning of the pandemic, we we started that online market. Um, you bet, and that served served a lot of people in a lot of different ways, um, certainly, for sure. Yeah, it's been lovely. So, absolutely. Well, you are listening to Rhymes with Decora. My guest is Hannah Breckbill from Humble Hands Harvest. We're going to take a real quick break, and we're going to be back to talk about a bunch more of the uh, really awesome things that are happening at Humble Hands Harvest. We'll be right back. Rhymes with Decora. Hey y'all, Larisha Weiler here. She, her are my pronouns. I'm the founder and organizer of the Driftless Yoga Festival that happens here in Decorah, Iowa, June 23rd through the 26th. Would love to have you all there. Sliding scale passes, uh, a variety of classes that are yoga inspired alongside equity conversations. And um, yeah, you can find out more information, driftlessyogafestival.com, June 23rd through the 26th. See you there. And big thanks to our friend Larry Schuweiler, Driftless Yoga Festival, helping bring us this show today. And of course, this is a project of Inspired Media. Find out all about us online at iloveinspired.com. 
Aaron Henny Nichols and I put out a quarterly publication across our region. Lots of fun stuff online. A brand new website headed the, your way sooner or later this summer. It's going to happen. It really is, folks. We're excited about it. <laughs> but currently today, my guest is Hannah Breckbill from Humble Hands Harvest just outside of Decorah. Thanks for being here, Hannah. It's, yeah. fun to, it's fun to talk, fun to catch up on everything that's going on. Uh, so there's another part of your farm, another another uh, whole part of the world that you guys are growing, helping grow across the country, and that is the Queer Farmer Convergence, right? The Queer Farmer Network, uh, some of those things. Let's talk about that a little bit because it's super cool. Yeah, so the Queer Farmer Network is something that emerged from, um, from me... My second year of farming, um, I called a friend and I said, you know, I was just crying about being lonely. Yeah. Um, and what she said is, you know, Hannah, you need some other queer farmers in your life. Um, and so here's what we're going to do, she said. We're going to make you an Instagram account, turn you into a queer farmer celebrity, and then host <laughs> all of those queer farmers on your farm. It's so good. <laughs> and I, I was it. like, I love it. Okay, like I didn't, I wasn't on Instagram. I had no idea. <laughs> this, was, this was not on your to-do list. <laughs> no, um, but I was like, I'm down to host a gathering. You know, you find the people, we can host the gathering. And and it worked. Um, so it This was, yeah, this was four years ago, right? This Going was 2018. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, this Instagram account happened. It's at Queer Dirt. Yeah. Um, and... Then um, a bunch of queer farmers from all over the country were really excited about it. And we're really excited about the idea of building in-person community with each other yeah. in little old Decorah, Iowa. Right. Um, and so, yeah, even our first year, we had people from California. We had people from Massachusetts. Yeah. Um, uh, and now... Uh, we're in our fourth time hosting it. We skipped 2020 for. Yep. yep, um, yep, yep. I hear you. <laughs> uh, but we, um, yeah, we instead of instead of just inviting people to register on a first come first serve basis, we mm -hmm. actually had to create an application and and actually sort through the kinds of people that we could bring because yeah. um, we want to be able to craft the gathering really well and and. Meet people's needs. And yeah. really, so there's two things going on here. I mean, one is a Queer Farmer Network. So you've kind of built this social uh, presence that that kind of shares these qualities so people can come and find their tribe. You know, you mm -hmm. can kind of cross, uh, share information and just know that you have kind of found found people you can relate to, right? Yep. Uh, it's funny, I often talk about, in the last couple of years, I've been doing some work with small grains and some other things and spending time around farmers. And I will say to this day, if you walk into a room full of quote unquote farmers, and I just mean typical Midwest farmers, I don't know if there's a tougher crowd in the world <laughs> or a more uh, intimidating crowd in the world. So as you break that down, a lot of our friends are what I like to call food farmers, right? Mm -hmm. And, and or they're working in the dirt, they're growing food, they're doing things. So that's a whole other you know world of people. But that doesn't really even get down to any of the diversity and the people across the country who are working in farming, who are truly involved in this world, right? So to be able to find people you can relate to who are mm -hmm. in the field you're working in yep. is a really special thing, right? Uh, and then bring them to Iowa, and that's even better, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So my my experience as a queer person in agriculture 
was that my farmer peers, my food farmer peers were all really great and really, you know, my people in a lot of ways, but there was just so many straight people. Yes. And, and so that part of myself and part of my kind of social experience didn't have an outlet. Um, and, but meanwhile, my queer friends all lived in cities and like, um, didn't really get my lifestyle as a farmer. Right. Um, (laughs) Moving to rural Iowa to be a farmer, right? Right. Yeah, totally. And uh, yeah, so finding, creating that kind of intersection of those two things, queer and farmer, really brought out people who we can really make good good connections. And if we bring it to the actual convergence, the actual gathering now that this will be the the fourth year you're hosting, right? What's super cool is you are bringing people uh, from across the country who also bring their experience with them, Mm -hmm. right? So, I mean, people who are farming in the Southeast have a very different experience from someone who's who's farming in the Northeast or California or the Valley or, you know, here, whatever. And it's one of those things to be able to share that information, I know, across, you know, across just those conversations is huge. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's amazing to see, you know, what's working somewhere else or isn't and how to just have those experiences, right? Totally. And yeah, and it's really interesting for me as a as a farmer in a very rural place, um, growing food for a very rural community and then getting to be in community with um, people who are urban growers and, yeah. and also getting to offer my space to people who are urban growers. And they're like, wow, it's so nice to see the stars and you know, hear the birds. And so, Absolutely. yeah, it's, it's a really good thing all around. Yeah. And of course, another uh, part of this is I've looked through some of the information and I know that you, why there are a couple of things I love. I mean, first of all, I think almost every year you guys have done the gathering, you've done a calendar, right? Which is yeah. hilarious <laughs> and awesome and, and super cool. Uh, but also one of the things you guys are doing is, is offering um, sort of uh, not a sponsorship. I don't remember the exact language you're using, but to help people come have this experience, right? I mean, there are people yep. from across the country uh, and, and in the QT bypass world, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. queer, trans, Mm -hmm. black, people of color, indigenous, you know, all those things, you know, not only acknowledging Mm -hmm. that where we live was once not, (laughs) did not belong to us, didn't Mm -hmm. belong to anyone, belonged to native cultures, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Dakota, Meskwaki, Ho-Chunk for our area mostly and other tribes. Um, But not only acknowledging that, but then bringing in people who, uh, you know, are diverse from across the country to not only look into those things, but also just share uh, this place, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So this year we committed to having at least a third of our attendees be people of color um, and and to make that like really accessible and help that happen we are um, offering travel stipends to all those people and and not making them pay for registration that's awesome um, so how's yeah. that getting sponsored we're asking for money. Yes. And yeah. how, how would people donate if they would like to donate to that cause? It's really easy. You can go to the our new website, which is queerfarmernetwork.org, and yes. there's a donate link there. Um, we're sponsored, our fiscal sponsor. We're not an official nonprofit, so we need one of those to be our sponsor. Yeah. And that's uh, called Out in the Open, which is uh, yeah. a queer rural um, nonprofit based in Vermont. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I have to say, I mean, so, you know, it's, it's easy, probably if people are not aware of this to think like, oh, well, that's nice. They've got their group of people. They're getting together somewhere. But what's really interesting to me is that uh, as a group, this is a really 
powerful thing, and it's a pretty unique thing. I mean, there are people all over the country who are having this experience, likely not finding a lot of people like themselves, no matter where they are, Pacific Northwest, East Coast, wherever. Mm -hmm. uh, but other people have taken notice of this, and not in a small way. Yes Magazine, right, featured mm -hmm. featured not only yourselves, but the event mm -hmm. uh, and some of that network that you're growing. That was about a year ago, I think, that article came out? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and it's a, really, it's a really fantastic article. It covers yourselves and a, a few other organizations across the country who are doing Doing that work to connect people who are involved in agriculture and, and, and those things. Mm -hmm. um, and then also Civil Eats, which is an organization that I follow quite a bit from some of the grains work that I've done as well. And that was a very cool feature, uh, I, I think, that uh, the farm was featured in as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, so it, I think it's worth saying that, you know, whether people understand fully what the work is that you're doing here or not, it is really working on a large scale. <laughs> Totally. And, and taking on really big issues that people are paying attention to. Yeah, and we're taking on really, it, it's really interesting because I was never intending actually to take on these giant issues, <laughs> right? And and to be the like, the queer farmer that people Google and find, you know? Right. Right. <laughs> so, but, but somehow it happened because, yeah, that space hadn't been like really filled yet. And, and, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm currently working on trying to figure out how to spread out the, um, the attention, the media yeah. attention. Well, it's great. You know, it takes, and <laughs> in, in part of why we have wanted to start this podcast, honestly, we don't, we don't know how, what the, the audience is that we can find with this podcast, but part of what we want to do is, is help give a voice mm -hmm. to other people. I mean, we get to do a lot through our quarterly magazine, but there again, it's only quarterly and it's a magazine and we love working in that format. Mm -hmm. I know one of the other things that's happened at the, uh, at the convergences, you guys have worked on creating zines in mm -hmm. the past too. We love that world. Super fun. Uh, there's something about having a tangible thing in front of you, you can work on and create and read and share. Um, but through that, we've also learned that, you know, one of the most important things we can do as a small media company is just help give other people a voice, mm -hmm. you know, and if we can do that, that is, that is our goal. And I think as someone who's involved in that scene, if, if that's your job, that's, you got to do it, you yep. know, that's, that's where it's at <laughs> for sure. But well, your days obviously look busy then. Not only are you tending a farm, you're tending a movement, you're yep. tending uh, all sorts of things, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a fun thing to, have have the super tangible work of farming in front of me every day and then also to be able to think big picture and, yeah. and to be able to connect to people. And be in a place. place where you can kick back at night and look at the stars, right? It's true. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Uh, Hannah, thank you so much for taking the time to be here and hang out with us today and talk a little bit about it. Uh, again, uh, Humble Hands Harvest, the best way to find out about everything is... HumbleHandsHarvest.com dot com right there. You can catch them at the Farmer's Market in Decora Wednesdays and Saturdays uh, and online as well. And... Uh, pick up some delicious vegetables, check it all out, support the cause. We really appreciate it. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Absolutely. You're listening to Rhymes with Decora, a companion podcast project of Inspired Media, iloveinspired.com. The music on this show today is brought to you by Mr. Nick Zielinski. You can find him online at Indicative of Drumming on Instagram. Find Hannah online on Instagram at Queer Dirt. That is the handle. And, uh, Check it all out. Thanks so much for being here. Rhymes at Decora. See you next time. <laughs>